Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul addresses the Jewish leaders regarding their confidence in their circumcision and having received the law of God. Paul goes on to explain to them that they have no hope of salvation from simply receiving these things. Are you trusting today in your own good life? Or are you trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and salvation of your soul that you may receive eternal life and go to heaven when you die? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 2 and see where our trust may be misplaced. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Thursday morning here in Texas, and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending more and more time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to be a more devoted disciple of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the meaning of life, being a disciple of Jesus and growing to be a better, more devoted, more obedient, more selfless, more Christ-like disciple of Jesus Christ our Lord. So. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so we are, Lord willing, we'll finish Romans 2 today. Um, the block is going to be Romans 2, verses 17 to, to 29. The whole block is, a, is an argument the Apostle Paul is setting forth. Um, again, uh, to that person that believes that they're moral, morally superior, he's going to be speaking directly now to the to the, to, the, to the Jewish leader or the Jewish person who believes themselves to be in a comfortable position simply because of their Jewish heritage, simply because they've been given circumcision, uh, because that they've been given the law. And, and Paul is going to explain to them very clearly, very adroitly, that, that they are in no way okay, that they are, they are equally sinful as everyone else, and in desperate need of a savior. That's the whole thing he's building up to here in chapters one and two, is that all humanity is sinful. All of us need a savior. We're hopeless, helpless, desperate, headed to hell, and only in Jesus Christ can we be saved from our sin, can we have eternal life, and can we ultimately go to heaven when we die. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this incredible book of Romans. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you today. We ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand now as we study this book of Romans in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. You're right, Stephen. It is hot in here. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Romans 2, and we're going to begin in verse 17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? 
You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Wow. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, Paul's now going to move into, again, as I said earlier, uh, dealing with the Jewish person, um, you know, the Jewish leaders specifically, you know, uh, you know, had a, had a tremendous boast in pride in the fact, an unhealthy pride, that, you know, that they had been given the law, that they are the chosen people of God, that they're children of Abraham, that they have circumcision. And they believe because of all these things, they were accepted by God. And Paul's letting them know that no, not in any way are you, are you any better than all the other sinners in the world. So he says in verse 17, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God. Now, um, you know, again, Paul is speaking to the, the Jews of his day, but this has immense application to us. When we're studying the scriptures, right, Scott, when we're, when we're reading and studying our Bible, it's important that we not, you know, just simply look at it and try to understand what was happening 2,000 years ago. Certainly, there's tremendous value, and we do need to understand the historical, geographical, the cultural context, what was happening. But the purpose for all that is so that we can understand what was happening so we can make application to our lives today. That's the reason we have the scriptures. All right. The Bible was not meant, was not given to us to be merely a history book. Okay. Um, certainly it tells us history, but that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to be a mirror to us, to, to reveal to us, you know, where we are out of line in our understanding and our beliefs and in our behavior so that we can make the appropriate adjustments, believing what the scriptures tell us to believe, thinking how the scriptures tell us to think, speaking how the scriptures tell us to speak, and of course, living and obeying the scriptures and what they tell us to do. So look what he's saying. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, you could say today, if you call yourself a Christian, but Paul is saying, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know as well and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. So again, the Jewish people were given the Ten Commandments. They were given uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. So they, they were instructed in the word of God. They, they did have the incredible, overwhelming blessing of having 
the, the, the written word of God. It's incredible. If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. Verse 19, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, which they did have. They had in the word of God the embodiment of knowledge and truth. But the issue was that their complete confidence was in the fact that they had it, not that they were obeying it, not that they were living according to it. They, they had this braggadocious attitude. They had this conceit, this tremendous arrogance that because they were the chosen people of God, you know, it was all good and they were fine and they were going to heaven. And again, Paul's bringing a brick down on them now. Okay. He's letting them know it's no, it's not those who have the law. It's those who keep it. And of course, as we said over and over, right, Nathan, no one can keep it. No one can perfectly keep the requirements of the word of God. It's only been done once, and that's by the God-man. That's by the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus, came into this world and actually lived a perfect, righteous, sinless, obedient life in thought, word, and deed. It's incredible. Jesus actually fulfilled the law. He perfectly lived every aspect of the word of God. Indeed, at the end of his life, God the Father would have, would, have, would, have, would have welcomed him into heaven because he did fulfill every aspect of the law perfectly, never sinned. But instead of that, instead of Jesus taking his perfect life and using it for entrance back to heaven, he offered it to you and I. All 8 billion people in the world have transgressed the law, have failed in obeying the word of God. And because of that, we're just in a hopeless, helpless, hell-bound state. We need a savior. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, now pay attention, this is important. When you genuinely put your full trust and confidence and faith in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived in fulfilling the law is actually credited to you, credited to me, as if we ourselves live that life. Incredible, right? And not only that, all of our sin that we committed in thought, word, and deed, past sin, present sin, and even future sin, is put to the cross of Christ. Now let that sink in, Corinne. Just think about that for a moment. That incredible exchange, all of my sin, disobedience, and wickedness in exchange for the perfect, righteous, obedient, sinless life of Christ, that exchange is the very heart of Christianity. It's the heart of the Christian gospel. It's, uh, Father, we just praise you. We just worship you. We just thank you, Lord. It's it's overwhelming. It's remarkable, Lord. It's just incredible. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Golly. Mm. Golly, Lord. Have mercy on us, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But what we want to look at here is, again, is, you know, there's the, there's the, there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Now, as Christians, 
if we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're forgiven of our sin. We have eternal life, spiritual life. God the Father is our Heavenly Father, and we will go to heaven when we die. But, but still, we can act in these ways, right? If you brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve what is superior because you're instructed by the law, as Christians, and particularly as Christian leaders, I'll call us out here, um, or, or those of us who are, you know, are in a good, solid church where we receive good, good doctrine, we can kind of get this air about us. It's sinful. Um, it's prideful. And, and every one of us really needs to repent. You know, the farther we go in Christianity, the more our flesh the more the world, the flesh, and the devil will labor, as well as our own sinful nature, to lead us into this pride as if we know what we're doing. We have a confidence that we have this superior understanding based in the Word of God and the Son of God. And again, we do have this tremendous understanding, but we ought not carry ourselves that way. We, we ought to have a modicum of humility, which is to say we don't know everything. Okay. I don't know everything. Father, forgive me. Golly, for just forgive us, Father, where we just carry ourselves in this manner. Golly, if you know his will and approve what is superior because you're instructed by the law. Again, as, as Christians, we have the living word of God. We have spiritual life and we know what's, you know, what the word of God teaches but the important thing is how well are we living it out? Now, again, I'm not talking about our salvation now, okay? We're not saved by anything we do. But the point is, the application of this is, you know, we ought not be boasting about all our understanding in the word of God. Uh, we were talking about this at Bible study on, on, uh, on Tuesday and how in our ministry, the Lord has blessed us that, you know, that we do by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, we, we do have a, a, a strong understanding of the scriptures. We, we do understand the word of God. We do understand what it means that we are sinful, hopeless, and helpless, and we need a savior. Um, the Lord, by his grace, has given us revelation into his word, but we ought not carry ourselves like we're better because of that, and we have at times, and, and we've repented of that, just uh, just this attitude that, you know, we're not any better than others because we have a deeper understanding of the scriptures. We're certainly in a better place, but, but how much are we living our lives according to those scriptures, Billy? That's really what matters. Now, again, I'm not talking about your salvation now and going to heaven. I'm talking about the fact that that, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this, this revelation of the scriptures. And those of us who have a passion for the scriptures and study the scriptures, are you living the scriptures? Now, again, we're not trying to get to heaven by these things. That's what the, that's what the Jews were doing. And Paul's going to make it clear that it's not going to happen. But look what he says. <laughs> if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. And certainly that's what we need to do, right? As Christians and as Christian leaders, right? We do need to be an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because we have in the word of God what's right and what's true. But look what he says in verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? 
22, you who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? So what, what Paul is showing these, these Jewish people who had this, this, this complete confidence that, that they had the law and they knew what was right, and they did, but Paul is showing them that they break the law. Okay, now they may not break it exactly in the letter of the law, although they did that, but they would break it in the spirit of the law. He says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? I mean, they would be teaching others about the law, but then inside themselves, inwardly, they would just have this pride, this arrogance, this conceit, and this even contempt for other people, for really all those who weren't Jews because they didn't have it, even though they're not keeping it, any better than the others are, and oftentimes they were worse. They would have the revelation of the word of God, but they would have anything but the, the heart of God. They would have anything but the love of the spirit of God. Golly. I mean, religion will just destroy us, all right? Remember, biblical Christianity is not about religion. Excuse me, that's good coffee. Biblical Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? Religion is when we're, we're trying to consistently put on an outward show. We're trying to have an, an outward manifestation of like we're, quote, religious or something, or we're like we really believe in God, and we're trying to impress God and impress people. It's not biblical. It's sinful, all right? Um, religion, it's been said, is when you have outward form without inward substance. Now, it's good to have outward form, but without inward substance, without the inward reality of, of having lived Christ living in your heart and you laboring to live for him, your outward sus substance will, will cause more harm than good oftentimes to yourself and even others. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? And again, you know, when Paul is saying this, you know, they might be saying, well, wait a minute, you know, you don't steal. No, you may not go out and, and steal in the way that you're thinking, but yet, you know, in your heart, you manipulate and you steal and you obtain things in a, in, in a, in a roundabout way, right? And so, and they would justify themselves in this. Look what he says in verse 22. Um, you who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Jesus said, they would say, I never commit adultery. And then Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you already have committed adultery with her. Wow. Okay. So yes. So they would be thinking based on the letter of the law, I didn't do it, but on the spirit of the law, you have. This one's interesting. And I, I and as my studying and preparing for this, I did not know this. Um, and the, uh, the commentators made this point. It says, um, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? And so, um, and so the Jewish people would of course, you know, abhor, you know, a Gentile idols and, you know, and, and that's a good thing, right? But, you know, it, we, we serve only, you know, our triune God. And so they would make a show of how much they abhorred idols, right? How much they detested, you know, these man-made idols. But then they would go in to a temple 
and they would steal the idol and sell it, and they would justify the stealing of the idol and robbing the temple. <laughs> you see it? You see it, Pop? Ridiculous, right, Rap? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? So again, it's do you see the, the backward way that they would justify their lifestyle? Verse 23, you who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? <laughs> um, and again, this is, this is, we want to look into our own hearts, okay? We ought, we ought repent. All of us ought to repent, right, Becky? Just where, you know, where we can look in ourselves and we have this attitude of superiority. We have this boasting, you who brag about the law. That's wonderful. We, we ought to brag about the grace we've been given and the mercy we've been given. But we ought to consistently walk in humility in repentance and, you know, in conviction for the ways we're not living in the word of God. Mm. You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Verse 24, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Look at verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. Now, this was big. So back in 24, he says, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And the reference there is Paul's quoting Isaiah 52, 5, Ezekiel 36, 22. And so, uh, you know, and again, uh, you know, we can, uh, every human being is sinful. Every human being does wrong. No one has any excuses. But you know, when we behave as Christians, as all of us have, and it's just an area of repentance for all of us, when we behave in a way, Peyton, that's that's really not biblical, that's really not scriptural, people can say, yeah, look at those Christians, they do wrong too, which we do. Every one of us is sinful, and that certainly doesn't doesn't let them off the hook. But, you know, we, we want to be increasingly growing to be more like Jesus. There's, there's, there's nothing... There's no sin at all anyone could accuse Jesus of, right, Jason? All right, 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law or obey the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. Now, again, this would have rocked them, again, because the Jewish people had an utter and complete confidence in circumcision. But again, circumcision was this outward fleshly sign that was given to the Jews, given to Abraham, right? Uh, the cutting away of the foreskin of, of the man's penis. And, and they had this complete confidence in that, in that uh, special ceremony of circumcision, believing that in that outward circumcision, that they were fine, that they were going to heaven, that God was going to overlook their sin. Look what Paul says. Circumcision has value if you observe the law or obey the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. Wow. So my circumcision, no, doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Verse 26, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? Again, so only the Jews at this time had this covenant of circumcision, right? Um, and so the, all the rest of the world didn't undergo circumcision for the males. But, but Paul says, the one 
Verse 27, who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the, the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. Wow. Again, um, to be, you know, a, uh, a first century Jew and to hear this would, would have been overwhelming. That verse right there, when they read that, when a Jew read the one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code, the law, and circumcision are a lawbreaker. You don't obey the law. You don't obey the word of God. So even though you've been given all the revelation in the scriptures, even though you've been given the incredible privilege of the revelation of the scriptures, the privilege of this, of this uh, ceremony of circumcision, if you're not obeying the word of God, which none of us do perfectly, none of it matters. Only hell awaits. And again, this, uh, this would have been devastating. And again, how does this apply to us? For those of us that think we're going to be able to do enough good to get to heaven, it will never work. All our outward physical efforts can never attain heaven. There is no way to be made right with God by our own works, by our own efforts. Every religion in the world beside biblical Christianity, Susan, is trying to be made right with God by their own efforts, by their own works. They will admit that they have done wrong. Um, you know, I have spoken to some, you know, just uh, just, just a, a, a pious uh, Muslim who, who, who admits that he's sinful clearly and, and is laboring to work and admitting that he is trying to do, do enough good to offset the bad he knows he's done. And, and he knows that God is not obligated to let him in. And, and, and obviously I've labored with this man who, 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 who I really have a heart for. And, you know, he's, he's just rooted in, 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 in his Islam as, as I am my Christianity. Um, but, but all other religions are trying to be made right with God by outward physical works. And that will never work. We have to humble ourselves before Jesus. We have to go before our, our heavenly father. We go before God in humility, confessing we can't do it. We can't save ourselves. We know all of our good will not help us, will, will not do anything for us in regarding our eternal salvation. We are in a desperate place and we need a savior and we can't save ourselves. And from that place, you call out to Jesus. And John 1, 12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. From that place, you go before Jesus and confess, Lord Jesus, I do confess that I'm a sinful person. And Lord, I know that I'm hopeless and helpless and desperate. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a, a torturous death for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, you're alive and risen. And I worship you today. And I do ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die.
Lord Jesus, I do place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Mm. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, we're not saved by our words, okay? It's not just a, a rote exercise that you do and then you believe you're saved. But, you know, we do use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. And so when you communicate, when you call on him out of that knowing hopelessness and helplessness and genuinely placing your full trust and reliance in him, God has given his word, you will be saved. You will go to heaven when you die. God the Father will become your heavenly Father and you will have eternal life. Wow. Verse 28, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. And there it is. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. 29, no, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And that can only happen in Jesus and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code, not by the law. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. You see that, Alicia? Wow. Golly, that's so good, man. Whew. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. It's not about the outside. No, verse 29, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. We, we, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the spirit of God comes inside of us and circumcises our heart and gives us a heart of flesh from what was a hard heart of stone. And it's, it's not by us following the Ten Commandments or the law of God. It's by our humbling ourselves before Jesus and receiving him as our Lord and Savior. And it's inward. And it's our heart is circumcised and we're given a new heart. We're given eternal life by the Holy Spirit of our God. And now we're not looking for praise from men because it's what we've done but it's a praise to our heavenly father for all that, that he's done. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on us. Cleanse us of a, just, our, just our attitude of superiority and, and conceit and arrogance. Help us to walk humbly before you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us to live a more Christ-centered in Christ-focused life and all that we do. Holy Spirit, seal this message to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.